Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. Uh, this is fun. We love having her on here. She has become our go-to when it comes to healthcare policy because that's what she does. She works in that field. She explains it so well that even I can understand it. Elise Amidro, back on the program, Young Voices contributor. How are you, my friend? Great to see you again. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You got in the Wall Street Journal. Way to go. I'm still waiting on my call from them. Open DMs. I'm available. <laughs> um. There's really two parts to this story that you're covering. One's going to get the headlines and the trending topic, and the other one is actually a more universal problem, but they both converge here. Um, the Senate has a bill. This is a bipartisan bill. Rand Paul and Cory Booker, usually not two guys you would normally associate with each other. They're pretty much as different as different can be on a lot of levels. They came up with this FDA Modernization Act. Now, as we all know, names of bills means absolutely nothing. This was actually kind of pretty close, though. It is a modernization of the FDA, and this is pointing to something from the 30s that does need modernized. Before we get into it, in a perfect world, if we take it at face value, what is this bill supposed to do? This, this bill is simply there to end the mandate that pharmaceutical drugs be tested on animals before human trials. So if it all goes well, it will simply say pharmaceutical companies are welcome to use animal testing or another way of you know demonstrating that a drug is safe before they start administrating it to people um to to proceed with the trials now this is a mandated law it goes back to 1938 they're just removing the mandate if they don't tinker with this too much trying to get it passed correct yeah it, this is not a ban on animal testing i'm sure lots of people would like there to be a ban uh animal lovers don't like the fact that we can't test on animals but this is, again, bipartisan bills are not that exciting because it just means everyone kind of agrees. Here's just saying, hey, this is an outdated mandate. Like you said, 1938, um, the Congress ordered that um, animal testing be part of those trials and or like, precede human trials. And now that we've developed much better technology to test drugs, we no longer need to rely on human testing, uh, on, on, excuse me, on animal testing to uh, be able to uh, test the safety of a drug before we administer it to people. So we're just saying, you, you do it, you don't do it, it doesn't matter to us as long as the drug's safe. 
Yeah, we'll touch on the animal testing part because that's the one that probably most, you know, that's the one that's going to trend on Facebook. It's like, oh, let's talk animal testing because people react to that strongly. Big picture wise, and you do a good job of laying this out in the piece. Can we just stop? Because we, we skip over numbers and don't. 1938, it's 2022. And we're just now looking at this law. How many laws are on the books like this from the 1930? We dealt uh, with another guest yesterday. We were talking about a law back from the 1880s that was put into effect to try to, we covered it with, out in Colorado where they were trying to shut down a Rocky Horror Picture Show with a law from the 1880s about you know public nudity. This is way more widespread than people realize is like we have all these zombie laws on the books that just go and go and go because nobody ever updates them. That's actually a more universal problem and something that that is in the purview of Congress and state legislatures to do. They don't do it very often. Right. And I will put that out, like, out there first. I have nothing against old laws. I think laws, you know, laws should actually last a long time because it's hard to, put, to pass a law. It's hard to uh, implement it. And uh, it affects lots of people, right? So we want good laws to be passed and then to be there so that we can rely on them. The problem is when a law is so specific that it mandates the use specifically of a technology that's going to be out of, you know, out of fashion, uh, outdated very quickly, then we waste our time. And actually, we can have bad consequences come from those laws. In this case, the mandate to do um, animal testing first, as we ju were just talking about, huge impact on animals. But then also, as it turns out, animal testing is less and less a good you know, way of testing the drug's safety. And as it turns out, many drugs that do well in animals are actually toxic for humans. So what made sense at the time was a technology that was all we had, right? In the 30s, all we had was animal testing. We barely had human like, blood testing, right? So the, the science then was so you know, primitive compared to what we have today. Um, but by enshrining the very specific technology that drug companies have to use into law, we end up with an outdated, outdated law like that we can repeal finally, hopefully, um, you know, decades later. So that's the issue: is when we try to be so specific about the technology and the, the particulars of a process that we run into those issues of outdated, harmful laws. Elise Omidro joining us. Just to put it in perspective, though, you just brought this up. Medical science changes really, really fast. You know, 1938, you know, we're not using penicillin yet, widespread. We know what it is, but it hasn't been fully approved until the mid-40s. This is an area where it really shows out that laws are not updated, though, because something like medical, I mean, shoot, just go back to COVID two years ago, how much medical science has changed and our perception of it has changed. These are things that just doesn't get talked about. But when you go into something specific, it usually is some kind of a mass thing, like an animal testing, something that gets the collective conscious going. And then all of a sudden we pay attention to these kinds of laws. That always seems to be how it works. And I guess that's just part of human nature. But it is a way that we need to kind of review our laws of like, maybe it shouldn't take something that's a hot button issue to get something that's really important, like updating FDA guidance, which we all saw what happens when FDA guidance isn't clear and these sorts of things. Exactly. Like this law here, well, the, the, proposal, the proposed law, the FDA Modernization Act 2.0, what it would do is it says you can use computer models or you can use organs on chips, and I can talk more about those, or you can use another way that works, right? It's not specific. It's not exhaustive. I think that's a great way of legislating because you're keeping it open for, um, for uh, innovators to do what they do best, which is develop the next best technology. If you can do that, 
you obviously need laws. We don't want, you know, we don't want a, um, a total lack of laws, especially when it comes to things as important as drug testing. But you can actually phrase it in a way that's that's broad enough that anyone can, you know, try something new. And that's the goal here with this this bill. Yeah, let's just deal with the animal testing part for a minute. Look, I'm I have five dogs, a cat, and multiple children. I'm an animal lover by any definition. Morty, I love animals. I got a rescue that we're medically healing right now, getting ready to have surgery. I had a dog at the vet this morning. Okay, I like animals. The animals animal testing is always going to be icky, even for people who think it's a scientific necessity. We understand that has been abused over the years, but on the on the whole, we understand. Yes, you need a living being to test some of this stuff out on before you go to a human in most cases. But like you said, some of that's changing. We can artificially create organs now. We can artificially test things. We can use computer modeling. Some of this has changed, but some of this is still, you're going to have to put this in a living organism and see what happens. How do you deal with that part of it? I know it's a big issue. I know we have all kinds of organizations about animal testing. How do you deal with something that's at some part is still going to be a scientific necessity for the near future? I think there's part of it. You just have to accept that that's how it is, right? We still, as a society, value human life probably above, uh, or definitely above uh, animal life. So um, to the extent that those tests do help people, they will be around. Now, I think this the, this type of, of um, law change is is that exactly what's going to get us out of the reliance on on human um, on excuse me? This is exactly what's going to get us out of um, animal testing, because you're allowing those smaller innovators. It's maybe biotechs, right? I think biotechs are among those that are most excited about the potential of this law passing. <laughs> it's biotechs that are most interested in in getting this law changed because they have other ways of testing drugs than animals. So. Organs on chips are a new technology. They're completely made, you know, in a lab. It's it's a, a um, synthetic device that imitates an organ. So, for instance, a, a lung. You can have a, a little piece of plastic of sorts that breathes and like that functions like a lung. And you can test different compounds on an illness inside that and see how a real lung would react. This has become so um, powerful that you can really make great progress before you take that drug to uh, human trial. Same thing for computer models. They've become really good at, at testing different things. So this is how you get out of it. You can't eliminate it right away, I don't think, unless you really have the will of, you know, all of Congress or, you know, a majority and, and more to get that the, uh, the idea of animal testing, you know, banned. But you can still quickly eliminate it by allowing innovators to be innovative. The amazing thing about um, moving away from animal testing is that it's much cheaper to do it that way, right? Like you can imagine that animal testing is very pricey to do. You have to have all the animals on hand. You have to take care of them. You have to have, um, you know, be compliant because there are obviously lots of rules around how you do the, the testing. Those things are very um, expensive and complex. So they keep out smaller entrants from the biotech space. And by removing those mandates, you can actually allow more entrants to come in, more competition, that becomes cheaper. And who doesn't want right, a, a cheaper drug? I think there's such a high demand for more affordable drugs right now. So when you make the process less expensive, you actually drive the market in that direction because the bigger players that are gonna wanna continue to do human testing, they, they actually won't want to um, uh, you know, do it anymore to the extent that they have cheaper ways of doing it. So I think this can really be eliminated through competition.
Yeah, Ali Zami Dro joining us. There's another component to this, and you talked about the cost of it. The reason these drugs are so costly is because the R&D is astronomical, and some of that's regulation. We've talked to you about that before, and we'll debate it some other time. But on top of that, and on top of the moral argument, there's a thing about doing these drugs where it just takes forever to get it through the R&D and the process, and then the approval process with the FDA. Part of removing these mandates, this will also speed up getting these drugs through the process, not in an, in, you know, not in an, in a resp- uh, see, neither one of us can talk today, not in an irresponsible way, but just by removing a layer of testing or maybe allowing a technology that's a little bit faster and a little bit cheaper. This also speeds up a process that for far too many people that are waiting on the next wonder drug or the next miracle drug, maybe years or even a decade away, this speeds up the process, doesn't it? It does. It makes the process smoother, less expensive, just faster. That's one big advantage. The other advantage, and this is something that I don't think gets a lot of attention, but when you start human trials, people start taking the drug, right? You have the, the placebo group that thinks they're taking the drug. I mean, they don't, they are not actually. And then you have the people who are really trying the drug. And in any case, when um, the, the drug doesn't turn out to be uh, powerful and maybe when it turns out to be toxic, you've given hope to all these patients that a drug is making it to human trials. Like people are expecting something to happen and they can get very excited at the prospect of finally finding relief. And I think by uh, encouraging innovators to get in the space because it's now less expensive, you have more, you know, more um, uh, patients that are, that are gonna be able to access drugs that potentially work. And I think that's really exciting too. Yeah, Ali Amidra joining us. I think you're in part to this piece. Again, it's in the Wall Street Journal. We're going to link to it. Read the entire piece. It's excellent. I think you bring up, going back to that wider point about regulation for just a second, I'm going to quote you here. You say, this mandate should serve as a cautionary tale, enshrining state-of-the-art technology into laws risk undermining the development of a better method. We should take the long view legislating. I doubt anybody in 1938 thought it would be 2022 before anybody reviewed this law. We see this in other areas. We see this with the EU doing the USB-C mandates. We see it in the medical field. We saw it during COVID where we found out, hey, maybe some of that mandated stuff doesn't really need to be mandated if it's an emergency. You can pick anything you want. It's a general problem we have is we want to legislate for the now without the long view in mind. That really is a good lesson to take from this beyond the animal testing and beyond the length of you know these quote unquote, zombie laws that stay on the books for years. We just don't do a real good job of unintended consequences and what a law may look like 20, 30, 40 years from now, do we? We sadly don't. And this is something, this is really my wider point and maybe something that I care about people taking away from from this story is we can always do better when it comes to legislating for future generations. We have to believe that people are going to come up with better ways of doing things than we currently have now. And we also want to keep the economy, the economy di- dynamic. Uh, there's no reason for us to um, protect the current industries. And that's usually where those laws are from, right? Like there is an industry around specific mandates and they will lobby for those mandates to be included in law because they profit from there being a mandate that benefits them. And so the more we move away from this highly specific technology specific language and toward a more open model of innovation and a more um, flexible you know, way of competing, we actually end up with better, um, better laws and a more dynamic economy that allows everyone to come in and, and uh, innovate and flourish. Yeah. And if there's one sector 
of society and technology that you do not want to stagnate. It is medical technology because you need it to continue to grow and push boundaries and find cures for it. Look how far we've come on so many medical fronts. And, you know, unfortunately during COVID people got started pulling back a little bit and now we're seeing what happened with things coming back. You never want to stagnate with medical stuff. So it's very important. Our government doesn't do that as well. Uh, Elise Almidro, always love having you. You explain this stuff way better than I can. And I always learn something talking to you. This is a great piece. You're right. This is a bigger issue. I look forward to you writing and covering some more. So until we get you back on Hertel again, let folks know where they can keep up with you. Uh, this piece will be in the Wall Street Journal, but let them know what else you have going on as well. Absolutely. So currently I'm studying uh, single payer systems around the world. So this is going to be my next focus for a little bit. Uh, but in the meantime, you can catch my writings um, at uh, on LinkedIn simply. That's the only place I, I um, am active on social media. And my name is Elise, E-L-I-S-E. And last name is A-M-E-Z hyphen D-R-O-Z. Yep. And for those of you like me who have trouble with silent letters, it's on the lower third graphics on the YouTube. We'll also link to it uh, in the in the notes for all the podcasting folks. Uh, Lee's always enjoy our conversations. Look forward to having you back soon. Thank you for the time, ma'am. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics, from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.